Welcome, friends, to Radio Free Muncie, broadcasting from the back of a van somewhere in the Muncie greater metropolitan area, and your source for reviews and discussion of the Knights of the Dinner Table comic created by Jolly Blackburn, published by Kenzer & Company. So jump onto your Vespa, ride down to the games pit, crack open your dice bag, and grab a character sheet. It's game on. Yeah, that was crazy. Quality Palette, who knew they had a freaking militia <laughs> that would come after you? <laughs> like if a security you, uh... guard for what's he guarding? Like yeah, was he... Well, you know, it's it's the hardwoods, man. It's the hardwoods. Hard you have to defend those lumber prices. <laughs> lumber prices, man. They're they're up. That big ass AR-15 he was carrying, like that—that that can't be normal. I know we're in Indiana. <laughs> Come on. I wonder if he was. I wonder if these were LARPers. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a, they're doing a, a Twilight 2000 LARP. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's big in this area. Twilight 2000 is. Yeah, yeah. That must be it. They must be there. They're probably LARPing the resistance in a Twilight 2000 coming home campaign. It must be, yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right, this well, Gary and Branch coming down. Let's let's run through let's run through rallies real quick, and then we'll. Uh... Hey, oh look at that place! We could stop there. Mc... What is that? Vintage neon sign. Let's park in that parking lot. That's oh. a cool place. Yeah, man. It's right across the street. Let's get our rallies, and then if we want more, we can always send George across the street to get us some more. Right, George? <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, no problem. Right here. As long as you're buying. All right. So where where were we? What were we talking about? Has this ever happened to you? Okay, Tommy. You need to roll a twelve to hit and save the party's bacon. With my bonuses, that only makes an eight, baby. Oh, geez, a six. Don't leave critical roles to chance. When your party is counting on you, wield the best. Choose Black Oak Workshop Dice and Accessories. With over 175 products, the family-owned and operated Black Oak Workshop's thematic and innovative designs will jazz up your game. Let's try that again, Tommy, with dice from Black Oak Workshop. Oh, Draco Lich, D20, don't fail me now. Natural 18, baby, take that, foul beast. The lone kobold succumbs to your relentless assault. The day is won. Black Oak Workshop, official dice maker for Radio Free Muncie. Home of the original adventure calendar, Black Oak Workshop, where dice are treasure. Ask your game master about the 5% experience point bonus when using Black Oak Workshop dice and accessories. Side effects from Black Oak dice may include angry dungeon masters, more critical hits, shorter combats, increased envy levels from gaming friends, excessive boredom from too much winning. You guys see the... the uh the uh, Knights of the Dinner Table Polaroid. Oh yeah, the Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty neat. 
check it out. BA, the bo- bottom right, demonstrating his remote game master system. <laughs> Jolly man, he's it's like he's predicting the future. He might as well be running roll twenty there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even I was gonna comment on the art, but that's a great point, man. Um because that's where we're at now. Yeah. You know, that's remote exactly GM. Where we're at. Remote GM. So next strip is the God com- the God complex. The story by Christopher Heath. And this is a short one. Yeah, it's just the two pages. Uh, very simple. They're starting a new campaign, and Bob's character has a death wand plus six Gitsu blades of sharpness with a beginning character saying that uh, he inherited him from a previous character. And when B.A. puts his foot down and sees he can't have it, why do I get the shaft? So for anybody that didn't grow up in the 80s watching commercials on TV, Gensu was uh, the commercial. The Gensu knife was like a kitchen knife that could saw through a nail and still slice a tomato razor thin. And then at the end of the commercial is always, but wait, there's more. Yeah. You get a free set of wind chimes if you're the first thousand callers. And the knife will cut through the wind chimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, so that's where Gensu comes from. If any uh, people younger than 30 or whatever, I don't know. But the, 40, but, the, but the point here is this idea that my old character, who is 20th level, has given my new first level character all their shit. And I'll tell you what, yeah. if I was a DM, this is a non-starter, man. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm curious. I'm curious if Jolly ever was actually in a campaign like this because I'd be like, motherfucker, no. Like, just drop it. Like, I mean, it's like, get up and leave the table if you think that this is legitimate. And finally, in the end, BA grows a pair Yeah. because I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even done it in game. I would have just been like, your no. fucking character is dead, bro. Like, yeah. give it up. And, and he, he's gone. He's just, he's not in this world. He doesn't. I was proud of BA. I was proud yep. of BA. Finally he stopped. said, I don't even care if your ranger is related to Hook Nose Wallace. <laughs> Who is that? It's a, it's an obscure reference. I'm sure I didn't look it up. I don't know. But it reminds me of the Smokey and the Bandit where. Uh, where the guy's like, I'm Buford T. The guy's like, I don't care if your name is Broderick Crawford. Like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> Dude, even in my drug induced meditative state, I miss that hook nosed Wallace thing. Who the fuck is hook nosed Wallace? I want to know. Yeah, we'll have to uh ask ask the interns to look that up. I, I think I think we need to call Blackburn on the carpet and be like, Dude, what does this mean? He'll he'll tell, I'm sure he'll say something. I'm sure I'll say something, but yeah, man, they keep talking about in real life. It can happen. Why not in a game? Because this is a game. That's why. And I'm the DM. They, I, I, the bolded, the bolded text in the second, to last frame though, man, like I, you guys know, I, I say it all the time. I'm not for the DM being oppositional, but this isn't oppositional. This is just like players are not allowed to decide the terms of the game. Like, that. right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah, this never would have came up in any of my uh, real life. I, I'm just curious if this was a thing in Jolly's games because, 
it, it, in, in fact, this comes up a lot in the strips. Maybe not specifically the handing down of magic items, although that does come up. But all of the characters, until they become established as like the four main, what is it, like Knuckles and Teflon Billy and whatnot, like they have this cycle of new characters coming in. And there is reference to like their equipment and things that were handed down and all that kind of stuff. And that was never, that's never been a thing for me. I'm curious if Jolly did. Yeah, the, the one line that made me laugh out loud, uh, if you go back, like you said, the second one, Odin comes down and just with a lightning bolt, just sizzles Bob and steals all of his stuff and deal with it. It all belongs to him. And then last one, Bob's like, when I asked, who are you to play God? I wasn't really looking for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah, the GM isn't, isn't God. The GM is like, above the gods even right like anyway yeah but it's a, it's a cute strip it's it's a cute strip it's kind of filler but it's a cute strip i liked it yeah so that was a short one and here's the next one where we had the first hard eight strip oh man this is the gary jackson files yeah i mean the nice of the darren table it's not just one it's not just like one story it's not like watching reba or it's it's like yeah. watching five different stories. Reba? It's like, yeah. Reba? <laughs> no, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait, we gotta stop here for a second. Reba? That's yeah, your the, that's your example of that's my go-to. That's hey, it's a go-to. good show. It's a good show. I'm I'm not disputing the fact it's a good show. It's just very specific. Wes, uh give me the keys. I think you've had too much to drink tonight. <laughs> it's like watching Reba. <laughs> and grounded for life, you know, and you know, mix in like uh, what was the uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, Briscoe County Jr. So it's like hard eight, like it's its own, you know, it's its own thing. I guess I was thinking the, the really cool TV shows because yeah, I, I was thinking more like Game of Thrones, where there's several different stories, but they all keep intertwining. Except, yeah, until no. they get to the last season. Listen, Fields, yeah. you may be hard charging, but you don't know shit because Game of Thrones can't hold a candle to Reba. And Reba didn't have a shitty last season. That's all I'm saying. No. Right, Wes? You with me? It was solid through the whole. I, I watched run. I watched plenty of Reba back in the day, but I don't know that I actually kept up with it. I have never, ever. I, I know Reba has Reba McIntyre. Yeah, that's that's all I know about it. Yeah, yeah, she's got a new show coming out, but that's irrelevant because we got she's a hard eight strip to talk about. Yeah, hell, I I was listening to her music when she first came out back in the early eighties. Wow. Okay, that's cool. So we got the first meeting of the hard eight group in the comic. Uh, I love it. I friggin' love it. Dude, in the in the third frame there, where Weird Pete gets transferred to Gary Jackson, like he transfers <laughs> yeah. him, and Gary Jackson's like, "Okay, motherfucker, you want to fuck?" This is where I was thinking, like, is Gary Jackson based on Dave? Because honestly, I could see Dave. I could see I could see this in Dave, like, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I could really. I like Dave. But, like, I have a feeling I would not want to be on the other side of the table from him, like, in a negotiation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, dude is pretty persuasive, and he's, like, pretty... 
He's quick. He's quick. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like he's I. Quick. Yeah. Um, but but then later on, and you guys kind of educate me. I don't think that I don't think Gary Jackson is based on Dave. Like this reminds me of Dave, but this is not Dave. Like Jolly would say, it's an amalgamation. It's an amalgamation. Different... <laughs> this was uh, actually released before he joined Kenzer, so he he might have known Dave already, but probably not well enough to model a character after him. Well, the the legend is it was like Gen Con 97 or 96 or whatever that they met, like on a handshake deal, they merged. Like that was, they just shook hands and said, hey, we're going to do this thing. And here we are many years later, pushing 30 years, I guess. 30, now. 30 years, yeah. If yeah. it was Gen Con, it would have been 96. So who is Gary Jackson? That's the question. Well, the, the name, it, the name itself is, I'm pretty sure, uh, Gary Gygax and Steve Jackson combined, which is pretty oh, obvious. Yeah. But is this, it, I, 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 I got to think, this isn't as much Gary Gygax as it is Steve Jackson. I don't know much about Steve Jackson except GURPS and Fantasy Trip. Yeah, Munchkin. I know. Yeah, I well, know nothing that, about the man himself. So, so think about think about. I mean, and I'm not going to go into like the stories ever, but I mean, Gary Gygax wrote the most popular game. He went to Hollywood. They made a series, like all this stuff, right? Gary Gygax. Now, Gary Jackson. I admit, in this setting. He is like the father of role playing, right? In the Muncieverse. Right. So, in that sense, he's like Gary Gygax, except the way they're doing things feels more like a small publisher kind of thing. Yeah. Small like they're company. living fiscal month to month. Right. But he has a private jet, right? Like, so now, now, like I said, I don't know that much. I mean, George, you probably know more about the old TSR days. I know you, you know, you, um, you know, a lot of those guys and, and I have never really cared them. I like, I've never gotten into like, Oh, right. inside story of all this. I just play the games. I don't, I don't worry about like what's going on with the industry that much. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe Gary Gygax did hire his paper boy. <laughs> to be a copy editor. I just assumed you know. it was Rob Kuntz. Is it what you guys were thinking? What did Rob Kuntz like his neighbor or something? Yeah, he was he lived close by and uh he spent a quite a bit of time with the Gygax household. And a lot of these guys were just in the Gygax like campaign. campaign. Yeah. Like uh, right? And if I may be wrong here on if how I'm remembering this, but I think uh, Rob spent more time with Gary than he did with his own dad. And then that's why the original Greyhawk thing was kind of a collaboration between Gary and Rob. Of course, Rob being so maybe, a Cerobolar. Cerobolar, right, yeah. So so maybe this is as much Gary as it is Steve Jackson, because like, like one of the stories... Like I've seen pictures of Steve Jackson. Our interns dug him up for us, you know, for me. And and there is a resemblance between the way Gary Jackson is drawn. He Gary Jackson looks a lot more like Steve Jackson than he does like Gary Gygax. Right. 
Well, right. except for the glasses, if you see some old pictures of Gary Gygax back from the 60s, his glasses are very similar. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so maybe, maybe, I don't know. Here, let me text yeah. an intern and see if they can dig one up. But, but didn't, well, I don't know, I don't know some of these stories, how much we should talk about some of them, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd be, I would be, I would be happy to hear if there are, is anybody listening that has stories about Gary Gygax or Steve Jackson that might be relevant to this, this mystery. Um, I would love to hear them. And I think we would talk about them in our next podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, um, another thing on this first page of the strip that I noticed, uh, it just reminded me of Jolly, like, uh, uh, Skip down on the end there, right? Yeah. Guy with the buzz cut. When Skipowski. He's, Skipowski. When he's talking about the dice rolling corral, I'm like, that's that's jolly. Right? That's jolly. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there because I want to see what jolly, how he reacts to it. But, like, when I think about jolly in, like, making stuff, the doom clock the light up dice tray, the hack track, right? Like he's oh, always yeah. making stuff like that. to like, you know, that everybody's going to want. And sometimes they do want it, but sometimes it's just like something that he thinks is really cool and, and it's useful. Um, but it's kind of niche, you know, and like, it just, it's soon when I read that, I'm like, Oh man, that sounds exactly like Jolly. <laughs> Like the yeah. like kind of idea he would have, you know. So I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool. Um, and and as I've said, you know, and, and Jolly is a creative genius. That's what he got mad at me about, or get, not get mad, but gave me a little shit about calling him a creative genius. But um, but he really is. So so suck it, Jolly. Just own it. Um, yeah, yeah. And and on the next one, on the next one, they. Uh, they talk about some other things, mood dice, action figure erasers, soda repellent yeah. dice. Like that's, yeah. it's just jolly. That's all. mood <laughs> dice. It's like jolly with all his ideas for stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then our favorite Abe, ba- Abe babes and rollerblades <laughs> comes up. We talked about yep. that last show or the show before. Abe babes and rollerblades. So the thing, the thing, there's two things about this whole conversation that I, I love, right? Well, maybe three things. Um, one is buckyballs. That's so true. Like you, you see this kind of jar, not just in gaming, not just in, in KODT, but like even in Star Trek, right? Even every science fiction, everything they like, like talk about this stuff and they just throw these, these terms out. So this is very, re- this is very true to how I think it works. Like when they're throwing ideas out there, but, um, but there are two things that I, I really love. Um, first of all is a $200 budget art budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like like a, a two hundred dollar art budget for a role playing game. For an entire yeah, like that, that, that won't even get you a cover these days. Oh my god. Like probably wouldn't even back then. I mean, I don't know who they were hiring for art, but you know. Um and the other is 
so you know how I said cystified gamers is one of my favorite phrases from KODT. Um, this is my other one. You guys know what it is? This might be my favorite. I do not know. 12 point screamer. 12. What the hell is a 12 point screamer? Didn't you read it? The 12. 12- I read it, but I didn't understand. I guess it's like the credit, your credits yeah. or whatever. No, so he says he's going to get a 12. So he's saying you're going to get a byline. You're going to get a 12. So that's the font size. You're going to yeah. get a 12 point font with your name on it. And it's like, what? You're getting a 12 point screamer. You know how hard I had to work to get. And, th- and then the funny part is like, um, Finley is like, oh, oh, um, you're giving me top billing, sir. And he's like, well, no, wait a minute. I'm not giving you top billing. Yeah. I'm bumping mine up to 18. Yeah, I'm bumping yeah. mine to 18. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's getting the 12 point screamer, but really, Gary, Gary is just devaluing the 12 point font and making it secondary to the 18 point font. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I, I love, I love that term, man. 12 point screamer. It's like, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It just, no. it's really, it is yeah. a catchy term. No, I think well, the, I've got a 12 point screamer in the three point, 3.5 version of hearing the wastelands when I converted it from three to 3.5. Yeah, there you go. I, yeah, I, I've, I've gotten like, a couple. Wow. I think in in KODT, I've gotten a couple in my little short adventures published there. You know, um, it, it's it, to me though. What's funny about it is, it's it's kind of on on par with with Finley, Ed with Edmund, I should say. Um, yeah, working there for twenty years, but only getting paid for the last four months. It's this idea. And maybe this was a real thing. Maybe maybe this is, was a real thing in the past. Maybe it still is. I don't know. I don't know. It still but the, is. the idea that people are willing to work and spend time and effort in the gaming industry to put to get their to get a twelve point, you know, a a, a twelve point um, font recognition of their forget about the money. Forget about anything else. It's like I got my name on something that got published. It's like it's like these people that like would go on. I mean, it's not like this, but it reminds me of like this idea of people that would go on like Maury Povich or these these trash daytime TV shows because they get to be on TV. You know right. what I mean? Like that's all that matters is I got I got to I I, I got my name on a, on a module. And, and it's funny. It's just funny to me because I don't think it's true. I don't think it's real, but it just, it, it kind of, it's a stereotype that's funny, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there funny. is some truth in it though. I think there is because I kind of liked having my name in KODT. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't get any, any money for that. I, it was just cool to see my name on something that got published. It, it That's probably the one reason I would love to write some more to get published. Um, but I, I just, I'm not a, I'm not a very disciplined. Dude, you got to do cartoons, man. That's the easy way. It's just scribble a little cartoon out. Boom. Any, I mean, anybody can do a cartoon. Exactly. Let's face it. Right. Um, but you know, this comes up later too, when Bob goes to work for Weir Pete, like way down the road and he's getting paid with, with, um, product out of the discount bin. <laughs> yeah. Pick anything <laughs> you know? out of the discount bin. Like he's so happy to just be working in a gaming store that he's basically getting paid with 
junk that nobody will buy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's living the dream. So anyway, one of my favorite phrases, 12 point screamer and skip won't let it go. Skip is pissed. Yeah. Yeah. Skip is pissed. Yeah. (laughs) Our little 12 point wonder boy. (laughs) Wonder boy. Yeah. You know how long I had to work to get my first 12 point. (laughs) And yeah, Gary's like, yeah, you can walk through the warehouse and there's 75,000 paint by number starter decks gathering dust with your 12 point name. (laughs) Although, you know, paint by number cards. That, that, I think that might work. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if they were really good, like it would have to be like, like a magic card it's paint by numbers and it's super powerful but it has to be painted yeah it has to be like the old warhammer thing where like you can't put your army on the table if it ain't painted you know yeah maybe maybe not i don't know scott schwartz what do you think you think it would work or not because i know you're listening Yeah, this, All this right. is another short one, just uh, four pages. Temptation of the Ring. Oh, yes. This one, uh, they find a magical ring, and it's the last one that uh, Brian needs to have every magic ring in the player's guide. And everybody else is already good. Well, that would suit my character better than yours because of this and that. He's like, are you kidding? I'm going to use this. I've been trying to collect these for years so I can apply to the circle of sequestered magics. He's like, screw your guys and its use. This is all mine. So this one is a little bit of filler to me. Um, yeah. But, but this is, to me, I think Brian is being completely reasonable. Yeah, getting into the circle of sequestered magics, that's going to benefit not only him, but the party. Yeah. Well, but, but I mean, aside from like any kind of mechanical benefit, like if it's there, a was, if there thing. was this, it's a role playing thing. And this is where I say, like, at this point, at this point in the strip, if I had to pick one of these players to be in my campaign, it would be Brian. Right. In fact, I would say, well, you guys know Andy, right? At this point, yeah. Brian reminds me a lot of Andy because Andy is a rules lawyer like a motherfucker, and he likes to win like a motherfucker. But he also role plays, and he also like isn't obnoxious about it. You know what I mean? Uh, he used to be, and he'll he'll know what I'm talking about if he if he I don't even know if he listens to this podcast, but um, but Brian like knows the rules. He's a good role player. He's got goals for his character that aren't purely mechanical. I mean, I can't believe the Circle of Sequestered Magics is like some power gaming thing, you know? Right, yeah. It's just joining the – it's a political move, right? So, yeah, it's cool. That's that's what it seems like. I mean, and and once again, Bob's just being a dick. Like, he's, he's just being a dick, right? Like – <laughs> the 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 funniest piece you know bob steals a ring obviously and you know brian goes after him the if you scroll down to the look where dave is shouting run little buddy the, the look on <laughs> run little buddy run <laughs> like you out. 
Yeah, and, uh, and the thing is, they immediately think Brian knows what's going on, and all he did is hand Sarah a note says, pass this to BA, I'm going to use my wand of scrying and asking this question. They're like, oh my god, he's on to us! Run, little buddy! <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Brian does probably overreact. I'm not sure that stealing an imaginary ring justifies, what, what does he say? Um, stood on your head and used you like a pogo stick, made you yeah. swallow four ciders, and threw your moped off the highway overpass. Regardless of what that did to the to the people driving under the overpass, who had yeah, nothing yeah. to do with stealing Brian's ring, um, might have been a little bit of over overkill. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's I tell you, it's the uh, it's the rule of threes. It's the rule of threes. Have you ever heard of the rule of threes? I, I have. So that's what it's three. He did three things to him. Use him like a head, like a pogo stick. Uh, made him swallow four ciders. Threw his moped off. It's got to be three things because it it kind of rolls. Is that a right? Is that a writing thing? Yeah, it's like a writer saying the rule of threes. Oh, I didn't know that. I, you know, yeah. you know what I knew the rule of threes from? I, I'm such a fucking nerd. Um, rule of threes is like a demon in the Planescape campaign setting. Huh, I did not know that. It's an NPC demon in the Planescape campaign setting, and he always talks in threes or something like that. But that, um, if, if if anyone's listening that knows about that, and I'm getting it wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, that's what I thought of when I heard Rule of Threes is, oh, yeah, I thought you were going to say this NPC, but. No, it's like a writer thing, Rule of Threes. I, I know, like, at work, at work, that is a thing like three points, you know, and in, in like in school, we learned about you have three main points in your essay and shit like that. So, yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I get when you, when you said rule of threes, my mind immediately went to like famous people dying because every time somebody <laughs> dies, the second one dies, my mom go, I wonder who the third one's going to be. Yeah, I think that's just looking for patterns, though. Yeah. If you wait long enough, and if you go to any certain span, you can find three people that. Oh yeah, three people. Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll read this straight from the intern just handed me the printout. <laughs> it's a writing principle that suggests a trio of entities, such as events or characters, is more humorous, satisfying, or effective than other numbers. Like if he if he had just said two things. Or even one thing, it wouldn't have been quite as satisfying or humorous. And if you go to four, it, you're overdoing it. So right. does Jolly know that, or did he, did he just do it instinctively? It, it's probably just pure instincts. Instinct. He probably created, probably somebody like read this and was like, by God, let's, let's create a rule Based on Jolly's strip, it's the rule of threes. That works so well. I think I think Jolly probably yeah. tapped into some universal truth here. Well, yeah. doesn't uh, Greek mythology had the three muses? No, 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 no. It all came it's from Jolly. Nine. Oh, it came from yeah. Jolly? Yeah. I think it was yeah. 22 muses or something like that. Jolly came up with the three thing. I'm, I'm positive. I I'm believe positive. so. Yeah. Because he's a creative genius. <laughs> yeah, this is I this is this is a nice strip though. I like it. It's short, yeah. but it's good. Next one is something that happens to every table sometime or another. Oh my god, dude. 
Oh my god. The Thursday night campaign. If I mean and 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 it's comp and and I know George, you're gonna tell us what's in the strip. I'm just gonna preempt it by saying my Thursday night campaign, this is like huge. Huge, right? And and that's if people show when people show up, which is usually not at the start time. I think that's just the curse of online gaming, especially yeah. with jerks playing like Wes, you know. But anyway, go ahead, George. Why don't you tell us about what the strip's about? Uh, just basically, uh, BA says, I'd like to cut down on uh, irrelevant chatter. I want to get this campaign wrapped up in the next couple of sessions. And, of course, everybody completely goes 100% off game topic. And talk, and then they start talking about who owes who money, and it just goes on and on and on. And BA is constantly, "Come on, guys, let's get started." I didn't want to have all this chatter, and, and I don't. I think I don't even think. Yeah, they don't even get started by the end of the fourth page. It just the final panel is BA is just gone. Everybody's like, "Where'd he go?" Like, "Oh man, what a jerk! I drove all the way down here to game, and he does this." We, this would be a huge issue in our home campaign years ago, like before, you know, before I moved away and the internet and all that, like we would actually get together and play. And the way we played was like once every two, three months, maybe, but we would play like a marathon set. Like we'd play like 10 hours, 12 hours, you know, sometimes longer than that, but we hadn't seen each other for like three months. So So as soon as we sat down, it's like three hours of just bullshit. And it's like, and, and my, my brother was the, like, we could finally get him to like, okay, Brian, we're going to play now. Cause he would get distracted. But everybody knew like his buttons, like certain little things you could say that would set him off. You know, then he'd go again for another hour. Dude. Dude. Bring up, bring up how you think long rests are great in D and D five. Oh yeah, and that's why. I, <laughs> yeah. That's why I say I, I'll, sometimes you you probably hear me in your Thursday game. I'll mention I'll mention little things that I know yeah. that, that push your buttons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. That'll that'll get me going. So so I mean I know what I just said, and I'm going to backtrack on it. I I think that if you are gaming with friends which hopefully you are, this is like normal. Yeah. This is normal. Oh, yeah. Like you, I mean, you should, you should kind of plan your game session with like, you know, you're going to have like 30 minutes at least of, of just people talking about In In fact, if for me, like if we didn't have this, I would feel like I'm gaming with well, like, stranger, like why, yeah. Why don't I just go yeah. on and charge people on roll 20 to pay me to DM them? Because yeah. I don't, I don't want it to be like, Oh, I'm DMing people and we're just here to game. and We're going to get down to business. Like I want it to be like fun in, in my Saturday game. That's face to face. Everybody brings food in the first like half hour. We're just all eating and chatting. Yeah. That's what uh, my 3.5 game that lasted about a year was it, Everybody would bring food. We'd sit around a table. We'd spend 30, 45 minutes catching up, and then we'd start gaming. And and even the most recent group I had, I'd always start out, hey, how's everybody's week? And we'd get yeah. that shit out of the way without even trying to get the game going to begin with. That way, when we got through it all, boom, we can get right to the game. And 
But this trip takes it to the extreme where they can't even get started. Well, but it's just, it's not, I mean, I get what, I get what he's getting at. But like, if I, if I sat down or if I, if I opened a session where there's roll 20 or sat down and everybody's like, all right, let's get down to business. We're in character. We're in the game, blah, blah, blah. I would kind of feel like, are the, like, are these people really my friends or, or am I just providing a service to them? You know I mean? Like, right. you like, because like, is especially from the perspective of the DM or the GM, right? Like you're spending all this time. Well, why are you doing that? Is it because is it, I mean, you're not getting paid for it unless you work for like certain online gaming companies that I won't mention that I'm not a big fan of. Um, you're doing it because they're your friends. Right. And if, and if, and if they don't, if you don't talk to them and they don't talk to you and you don't have interactions like your friends, that leads to DM burnout, right? Because the DM starts to feel like I'm doing all the work. They're getting all of the, like they show up and consume this work that I'm doing, but there's no like personal connection. You know what I mean? Because, because a lot of gaming groups, it's not like we, like with my game groups, it's not like we talk constantly throughout the week. You know, it's not like, and I run a weekly game, which I think might be a little unusual, but like my players don't live next door to me or they don't work with me. I don't see them all the time. I see them when we game. So if they're my friends, when we game, we're going to talk more than just gaming. That's all. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Now, but this happens to me in the game. To me, what's more annoying is in the game when you're trying to like the players need to do something. They need to make a decision. They need to do whatever and they can't, and they keep swirling in the conversation, that's where I have literally done what BA's done. I mean, I don't literally get up from the table, but I'll just sit back and be like, all right, let me know when you guys decide yep. what you want to do. I've, because I've like, done that a time or two as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. To me, yeah. that's a much bigger issue. Yeah, you got to you gotta take back over the classroom every now and then. Well, like and and sometimes you, you'll see players that will be like, "All right, I'm done with this discussion and indecision, and nobody wanted. I'm just gonna go fucking do something stupid." This, I mean, this was happening in my game Saturday. Um, Becca's got this psychotic gunslinger. I mean, every character she plays is a little bit psychotic, right? But um, and she's like, "Well, if we can't decide what to do, I'm just gonna go get into a fight." And you know, that's what happens. But sometimes I'm, I'm sitting there for like five minutes waiting for players to just like somebody to say this is what we're going to do and let's do it, you know. All right. The whole lot of trouble. I love the this strip here is cool. It's fine and all. But the lore that it birth you know like what what became from this strip the whole bag world lore like all the uh, you know the stories and the map it came from this strip this one thing yeah this one thing and and if 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 uh our listener 
whichever the the maybe the two or three people that are listening. our listener i like what you said our listener our listener hasn't gotten it yet i'm holding it up here uh inside the van so unfortunately you can't see it the bag wars saga trade paperback if that's what you call it it is uh awesome are it's we- a 112 page screamer all right <laughs> so <laughs> So uh, love. It's one listen, of my favorite things. Let's see. What do you got? What do you guys think about this? If we get three comments, three comments that they want us to go through the bag wars, we will jump ahead and do the bag wars saga. We've we've hit we've hit kind of a milestone. First four issues, right? Right. Um, we don't we we can take a break in the sequential numbering of the if, if we can get three people that say they want us to go over the bag wars and talk about the bag wars, we will skip to the bag wars trade paperback and we'll talk about that because this, like you said, this is the bag. This is where it came from right here. This is where it all started. And on a lesser note, this is, I believe this is the first mention of rot gut. Oh, you are oh, probably correct. Yeah, I don't Rock recall Rockgut in a in a previous issue. So yeah, I think he came. I think he did come up in the uh, in the pre KODT magazine era. I think they talked about like in some probably in one of the tales of the vault. Well, wait a minute, didn't but didn't they try to negotiate with Rockgut? Um, or was it a different was it a different dragon when? When um, Dave tried to negotiate with the dragon after Sarah negotiated with the troll, and- yeah, it was a dragon, but I don't think it was named. Yeah, I don't think they named it. I I, I want an intern to look that up. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna get one of the interns and crack the whip and get that dude to check it out. You guys can carry on. I don't. You- oh. So yeah, and the, the strip is short. But the but the the crux of it is the portable hole. So much, you know, they have a million gold pieces in a portable hole, which is two hundred and forty-two square. It's like two hundred and forty-two foot cube, side to side to side. Which, which is like, which is not as big as it sounds. But that's a big portable hole. Yeah, yeah, that's a big portable hole. So they just stuff it full of everything you can imagine. And it basically kind of becomes a world, but and that's where you get the bag world. Well, spin off. It, it shouldn't be. I mean, because I mean, it shouldn't. So, two hundred forty-two cubic feet is not very big. A ten by ten by ten cube is a thousand cubic feet. Yeah. So they're they're saying a warehouse. It's not really as big as what they're saying. But wait a minute. Let's make sure we're right because I thought it was. Not cubic feet, but a but a two hundred and forty two foot cube. So two hundred and forty two no, feet. Says, he says uh, two hundred eighty two cubic feet. Yeah. So that's like that's not that that that'd be like four by seven by ten. Which is not yeah. it's not, not insignificant. Yeah. yeah. Not insignificant. Did I get that right? Yeah, no, it's that, not that, yeah, that would be 280 cubic feet. So you're off yeah. by two. Well, I, I was I was asking yeah. because 10 by 10 by 10 should be a thousand, a thousand right cubic feet, right? So it's this is this is interesting because I, I have a player and I mention these guys all the time, Andrew. 
and and you guys may have noticed this or may not have, but anytime any mass capacity bag shows up, that he wants it. He he loves them. He loves in in my face face game. He's got a portable hole in the in the Thursday game. He's got a a bag of holding. He loves it. He loves to be able to haul a lot of shit around. But the players in tend to overestimate just how big right. these things are. Right, a bag of holding is not big enough to put necessarily like a catapult in. Right, um, but that's where the bag wars comes in because the bag wars is not a typical bag of holding. Right. Oh, you guys are right. The intern got back to me. Um, it is not. It is not rot gut. Oh, just a normal. It was just, a black dragon. I remember that. They just refer to the dragon's lair and. Um, they don't really talk about him as being Raga. He's a huge evil, is a dragon with a huge evil grin. But it was a black dragon. This was also a black dragon. So I thought Raga was an iron swag. It's an iron swag dragon. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a black dragon. Come on, Wes. Well, it says right here, the, the, okay, the black dragon crashes in a bloody heap. It does say that. Oh. I guess rock gut, I guess iron swack dragons are black. Or or maybe you know, they maybe did, didn't exist. Yeah, I was going to say or maybe it's a black dragon right now and later it becomes an iron. It's like sperm yeah. wolves, you know? Like a sperm yeah. wolf is a dire wolf, I think, but it, Jolly wanted to put a cool name on it. That's more powerful than a dire wolf. Well, in Hackmaster it is, yeah. Yeah. But I think it was a, it was a dire wolf. Now, uh, Come on, and back to the strip here, they buy a shitload of equipment, hundreds of this, dozens of that, and stock this thing up, and head out. And then Dave is the one carrying it, but he got pickpocketed on our way out of town, so they lose everything. And then at the very end, it's just uh, B.A. and Brian at the table. Find out that Brian is the one that pickpocketed it. And this one actually has a footnote at the bottom. I think this is the first like footnote that tells what happens after the strip. Yeah, that but isn't they, just like a reference to another... Right. Like later, the rest of the group figured out what happened. And he was placed in a portable hole with 50 trolls, a dragon, four rabid bears, and a nearsighted frost giant. And then buried in a 50-foot shaft. Crazy. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Pretty bad that they would let Brian do that. But, I mean, but B.A. is a shitty DM, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he gave him a million gold pieces. You know what a million gold pieces would do to a campaign? Oh, yeah. Like any campaign? Yeah. It'd be over. Well, I mean, well, think about it. If you were a player character and you got a million gold pieces, why would you even why, why go adventuring that? anymore? Yeah, you're yeah, you have a million gold pieces, right? So, like anyway. I was, uh, one of the earlier strips was uh, by Christopher Heath. I was actually talking to him uh, yesterday, and we were talking about back in the first edition days how the time your characters got tenth level or higher, they all had a hundred thousand gold and all this stuff, and 
Just yeah, I mean, when you get to those levels where, like, the campaign has to change a little bit. But right. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to go into my whole theory about running long term campaigns because I do run a lot of long term campaigns, right? Um, and they do they do have to That's change true. over time. But um, a million gold pieces is like. That's a lot. Like, yeah. unless their unless their economics are totally different, but um, uh, it's a lot. Like, if I gave like like I said before, if I gave my players a million gold pieces, they'd be like, "Well, we're all gonna die, or the campaign is gonna end, or something." Yeah. you know, because um, it's just right. not gonna happen. But uh, yeah, it's it's a cool strip though, and and like like you said, it sets up bag wars, which is very clever. It's a very clever take on the whole mass storage device <laughs> like like the usb drive of a, a physical storage but um uh, yeah. again showing jolly's creativity the fact that he went from this to what bag wars became is pretty amazing i mean yeah. because the, i mean let's face it there was there was there was no like if i try to think about an analog to the bag wars. I can't think of one, right? Like there's a lot of, like, like when we were looking at the cover, we could look at it and we say, Oh yeah, this is an idea from this or this movie or that movie or whatever. But like, when you think about bag wars, where did that come from? Like, where did he steal that? And yeah, I don't he, think he did. Yeah. He, that's something straight from him. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Straight yeah. from the bowels of his creativity. And it's a and it's a great. I mean, it's not just a good story. It's a great story, and I think it just. I think it just happened organically, um, and it did. It was not derivative. It wasn't a derivative story or like what we would call a meme. You know, it just right. it just came up. It just came up organically. Yeah. So it's a good one. I would like to do bad ones. So please, three people. Tell us you want us to go through Bag Wars, and we'll go through Bag Wars. <laughs> I'd love to do Bag Wars. Yep. And that brings us to the final strip of the comic, Detour Down Memory Lane. What? No. What do you mean, no? No, it's Tales from the Guard Shack is next. Um, are you looking at the um, interactive? No, I'm looking at the Kenzer. Um, I don't see anything called Tales of the Guard Shack. Um, on, on mine, a whole lot of trouble ends on 29, and the next page is Tales from the Guard Shack. That's what I got too. Now we're working from PDFs, and I think oh, you're working wow. from paper. Um, the the interactive entertainment has tales from the guard shack, and Which is, the Kenzer one has detour down memory lane. That is another difference between the two comics. Well, no, but dude, the PDF that I'm working from, the PDF that I'm working from is a Kenzer and Company one. Well, right here is my uh, Kenzer and Company. All right. Well, I can't do, I can't do down memory lane because I don't have. I haven't. I've never right. read that. I didn't even know it exists. So, huh? That's interesting. 
And you know what? You know what? Looking at this, I don't think I read this. I must have read the interactive factory version. Wait, wait, wait. All right, I'm not. I'm. Not, you're confusing me. So, is the extra strip in the Kenzer one or the interactive factory one? It is in the Kenzer. Well, it's not in the Kenzer PDF because Kenzer PDF doesn't have it. It's in the Kenzer comic, but. But here is the... Uh, it's in the bot, too. Here's the interactive. And we go from a whole lot of trouble right to Tales from the Guard Shack. But the Kenzer one has the extra strip detour down memory lane. And I don't... I, I, I love how you're holding... I love how you're holding it up. Holding it up in the van yeah. to prove it to us. Um. So I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about it? Because I I didn't look at it. At I all. didn't I, read it. Oh, it's pretty short, and it's it's basically you know, BAs like, "Hey, I found my oh, whole wait. campaign." Yeah, notes. yeah, I did read it. I'm looking at it now. Hall of the Mountain Mage, and the the uh, players start reminiscing and then calling each other out and fighting over what happened. Yeah, and in the end, they all had it wrong. They uh, they claim that. Each of them claims that they bested this stone golem, and and uh, he said, "I don't have the heart to tell him it, it was a lawn jockey or a statue or whatever." So, yeah, it was. It's a short strip. But. Sounds like it sucked anyway. So I don't. I don't it, care if I missed it. It's probably filler, just because they had to uh, take out the interactive factory. Well, why which did is, they take tales from the guard shack out then? Since since I didn't. Well, get, since I didn't see it, I'm going to assume it just sucked. You know. Tales from the Guard Shack, because Tales from the Guard Shack, this is a pre-Kenzer. This was, Guard Shack is, refers to Vanguard, which was going to be his publication until he, you know, shook hands with, with Dave Kenzer at Gen Con and started, you know, uh, threw in with Kenzer and Company. So, I'm assuming the whole the whole interactive factory, Vanguard, and all that just kind of went to the wayside. Like nothing was ever really done with it after that. But it would be interesting to know if he actually ever did compile anything for Vanguard. I I can't imagine anything was published for it. But dude, interesting to well, know. There there is so much information in that Tales from the Guard Shack, like. So easy. So it much. Dog the dog the role playing game. Well, well, yeah, but as an example, right? But but like no, but it gives you a lot of insight into where Jolly was heading, and and I think Kenzer kind of did some of this stuff, but like you know, it like when he talks about what why he called it interactive family, I think he wanted mm -hmm. to be a platform. He wanted he wanted to have a platform for people. It's, I mean, it's kind of like OGL. I hate to bring that up again, but he wanted to have a platform for people to get out there and be creative and, and contribute and, and, and have a vehicle to get into the, into the community. And, and Vanguard was the same type of thing. I mean, I, if, if Jolly, if we were going to have Jolly on, uh, in the van, this is, this would be, I would want to talk about this because this is so interesting to me about what he was thinking, what he wanted to do, and whether or not that was ultimately 
achieved through part, you know, through joining Kenzer and company. Right. But if we're going to have Jolly, Wes is going to have to use that Febreze you gave him. Well, he's yeah. not going to get in this van the way it is. I mean, Wes is going to yeah. have to clean this shit up. This, I will rip the shag out. Yeah, this tales from the guard shack. It almost reads like a business, like a business plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just it's kind a, of glanced. It's like a vision. It's like a it's like a vision statement. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's longer than a than a like a technically a vision statement, but it's but it's like this is what I want to do, where I want to go. This is how I want, and and I think it's kind of a plea to the community to say, hey, if you think you want to write something, if you think you want to, if you have a creative streak. This, I'm your guy. I'm your vehicle. Yeah. I'm your I'm your Hollywood studio. Bring me your script, you know. Um, and I think I'm Kenzer, your vanguard. Yeah, the vanguard. Yeah, yeah. I I I think Kenzer does some of that. Um, and maybe early on it was different, but now it feels like it's all very much focused on Hackmaster. And um, and I personally, I think it'd be cool if if Kodt was more eclectic you know what i mean yes yeah i see what you're saying yeah um and cool how it's van guard <laughs> nice i see what you did there yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome so yeah i i think i think this is just great insight into the the mind of jolly blackburn i think it's insight into how he thinks about the gaming community and what he wanted to accomplish. This would be a great conversation to have with him. Yeah. And cool. How like, uh, and I, and I wonder this cause he said for, as an example, he uses dog, the role-playing game as an example, Yeah, which you can buy now on the Kinzer. So you can get a PDF. It's like two bucks or something. Yeah. It's even got two short adventures you can get. But yeah, but here's the I thing. I just wonder if this was just off the cuff or he actually, you know, like he would just, as an example, you know, just off the top of his head, just said, yeah, dog, the role playing game. Or if he really had designs on. Well, I didn't read it like that, though. I read it like, hey, if you're like, like, OK, so here's a little. I'm kind of drunk, so I'm going to tell you stuff that I don't talk about too much. Right. Um. I've, I, I like feel like there are certain things about Hackmaster I love. There are certain things about D&D I love. There are certain things about other role-playing games I love. I would, if I could make my perfect role-playing game, it would have the combat system of Hackmaster, the magic system of D&D, because I actually like magic that can blow a lot of shit up like crazy, and the skill system of Traveler, because I think the Traveler skill system is very elegant and flexible. If I wrote that, if I wrote that game, Jolly would publish it. That's what this tells me. Like, if you've got a great idea, if you've got the next great game, I'm going to put it in my magazine. I'm going to help you do it. And, you know, would Kenzer do that? I think they kind of do. I think they're doing that with things like Space Hack, but it's, but at the same time, it's kind of thematic. You know what I mean? It's like, it's got to fit in the, in the Hackmaster, whatever. Right. Um, so, so I don't know, like, but this tells you where Jolly's head is. And, and, and I think this fits very much with what we've talked about with Jolly about how he is very open. I don't think he's dogmatic about anything, you know? Um, no, 
I, I, I think he's just open-minded and he's interested in new ideas and he's interested in promoting ideas, whether they're great ideas or mediocre ideas, you know? So, yeah, I want to talk to Jolly man. about this now. I want to, yeah. I want to drive over to his house with a bottle of old granddad. Lure him into the van. Lure him in. Yeah. Go up in the game loft, whatever. Say, Hey dude, tell me about Vanguard. Tell me why you, why, what you really want to do with Vanguard. I think that would be a really cool conversation. I think it would. Yeah, absolutely. So. Amazing what you can find when you go back in these old, old issues. Yeah. But you got to read them. You got to, you got to take the, you got to take the mind altering drugs. And you got to go into the trance and you got to read. All right. That's enough of that joke. But yeah, um, since, I, since I read the the one comic, I, that wasn't even in there. So I didn't get to read that. I'll have to take a look at that next couple of days. Yeah. I want to see that comic though. I mean, I, I, I'm interested in, uh, I'm interested in what the, uh, you said it's in the bot, Wes, the uh, down memory yeah. lane, which, yes, which, which it bot is. is it? That's probably like bot That's two. Probably right? bot two yeah. 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 I'll have to check that out. I've got bot two. Um, yeah. And then, and then the, the comic strip at the end, I, I know it's oh. facetious and it's over the top, but I kind of wish I had players that valued the game that much. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I have a few, but I have, I think I have a few where it might be a little lower on there. Yeah. Or Bob had to quit his new job because he got scheduled to work on game night. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's great, man. That's great. I, and and I get it. It's not realistic, but sometimes it feels like people are just like gaming is way, 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 way down here. And and I think part of that's because they don't necessarily have to do a lot. They just have to like show up. You know what I mean? So yeah. So they don't they don't consider it a priority. But all right, that wraps up the comic. You guys want to head over to the Guardian Brewing Company? Well, wait, wait a minute, bro. Wait hey, a minute. Yeah, I do. I do. Absolutely. Um, but w- as Wes mentioned earlier, there is a useless crap ad that, oh, yeah. that amazingly ties back to the, the cover. And I have a couple of questions yep. about this. On the back. Yep. Yeah. Is, is there a KODT CD-ROM as the ad would indicate? I want it, Jolly. I want it. You better get it. You better offer it to me. Is that what that is, or huh? Isn't it? it looks like a CD-ROM. Doesn't it? It's like a little. It ROM doesn't there. have a. It doesn't have a hole in the center. I don't. I, I, it's a CD-ROM, and Jolly better better. Yeah. Better hook me up. Um. The other the other thing is um, the because I'm a GM pin or patch or whatever that is. Um, if those exist, I want to get one. If they don't exist, I want someone to make one so I can buy it. <laughs> I it, that is a great pin. I would love to get that pin. You know, Cafe Press may be your friend, dude. I I I think I think we may have to do that. I and and there is a hack pack. I mean, uh, uh, Ron is doing a great job with a hack pack. Mr. Gores, you have been called out. I don't I don't think we have given a shout out to Ron Gores and the work he's done around the hack pack and and running the tournament at the cons and all that with Hackmaster. 
and he's doing a great job. I've played in a couple of them and it, they're doing a great job. Um, that would be a great, a great pin for hack pack GMs or any yeah. GM, but especially hack pack GMs, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I thought it, now, now the other thing, did you guys notice the typo? Well, it might be a typo, might not. I don't see it. No, it's the Red Knight, the Rouge Knight. I think it was supposed to be Rogue Knight, but he put the U in the wrong spot. So it's it's Rouge Knight, which is Red Knight, but it's actually should be. Yep. Rogue yep. Dave's I just want part to of the Dave's dialogue. Yeah. Oh, oh. It's oh. in Dave's dialogue. We we say too many nice things about Jolly. We got to point out when he fucks up. Yeah, that's an easy. We one. don't want him to get a that's big an easy ego. one to miss. That guy's got such a huge ego. You know, um, when we when we would go to I would go to some small cons with him just to hang out, and he would demand to be called the Jolly Blackburn by the staff. The T H E E. Yeah, like they would. He would be like, "No, when you address me, you have to refer to me as the Jolly Blackburn." That's a true story. <laughs> Not at the big cons. He could never get away with that at the big cons, but like the little cons, you know, he, 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 he the arrogance. It's like the, the old Steve Martin bit. My name is Steve Martin, but you can call me Mr. Steve Martin. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not true. Although I did, um, there was a couple years where I went to a lot of cons where he was at and just hung out, you know, and, um, and I, they asked me about, something i don't remember what but i said well listen and and they had like uh oh shit what was it? i think it was nexus it was one of these smaller cons it was like in the middle of summer and they asked me something about jolly you know and i'm like yeah I, I was like yeah whatever but i said listen he's very particular about this when you address him you have to address him as you have to address him as the jolly blackburn even when you're talking to him you say <laughs> excuse me the jolly blackburn would you want to right? And they that. <laughs> that's fun. They actually did. You know, one time we were we were interviewing this guy. We were doing it in teams, so like the plant manager and his ops guy would come in next. So, but we were the first team, like me and the me and the BU guy, and we were interviewing this dude. He's like a quality manager, and you know, we just asked him some questions. Like right before we left, I said, "Okay, when the plant manager comes in." He's got a glass eye. His left eye is a glass eye. Whatever you do, do not fucking look at it. I didn't. I didn't drop that. I was like, don't look at it. Whatever you do. He, <laughs> and then we just walked out. And the, the dude did not have a, a glass eye. He didn't have a glass eye, right? No. Yeah. So it was just completely bullshit. But the 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 long we knew we were going to hire the guy. He didn't know it, but we knew it. Right. <laughs> The guy had an amazing resume, and we were like, man, we're not going to let this guy go. You know, this is all formality. I was like, do not look at his freaking glass eye. Dude, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> you're, going, you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a cool guy. We had, He worked there for a year. Actually, I left before he did. Anyway, is that it? I, th I think that's the end of the, the strip. Yeah. Um, I said it over the brewery. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's get out of here before we get chased off. Yeah, it's over on Jackson, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Muncie. If you have a comment, 
You can leave it at our anchor site, or you can email us at radiofreemuncie at gmail.com. See you next time.